undoing bad theology around suffering and around pain and around going through those things. Those were the, the, the biggest obstacles that I've had to face. Members of my family have had to overcome and even just other sisters in Christ that I've had to really help with. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the word of God and worship in everything. I am so grateful you were here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I am so incredibly grateful that you are back for another conversation here at the Best Kept Secrets. How was your week? Mine was so good. <laughs> I really enjoyed relaxing and taking some time away from social after the Bible study launched. And I want to thank you so much for your support from the very beginning on until this very moment. Oh my goodness. I am so incredibly grateful for your love and generosity, how you helped encourage me when you first found out that I was writing the Bible study, how you continued to speak life and pray me through that thing, because it was definitely, it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. I've published books before, but they were fictional young adult novels, completely different than writing a Bible study. And then you really supported and showed up. And I just appreciate each and every one of you for purchasing it. For those of you who have yet to get your copy, I want you to know that if you are planning to join us for our live study that will be starting this Tuesday, we are not going to start without you. We are going to have a time really going over the overview as I present different strategies that you can use to strengthen your study and access what you need and what interests you most as you prepare to go through this study with us. <sighs> I'm so grateful for y'all. <laughs> you know, I want to thank each and every one of you who take a minute of your time out to give us reviews as well. We had one come through last season and I took a break from reading the reviews on air last season, but we're back. I'm going to be sharing a few of those and I am so grateful for our sister who said, I am so thankful that I found Liv Dooley and her podcast. Each week I get thrilled to hear the latest. Her interviews are filled with truth, love, and so much life. She continues to go on, but I just cannot thank you enough for taking the time out to write that. I know that it really does require you to go out of your way, 
but it truly does help to just reinforce this work that I am doing and I appreciate it so very much. Y'all are in for a treat today as you are every week. You already know this. We are so blessed by the guests who come through and mm, this interview means so much to me. You will hear why as we prepare to get into it. But before we do that, you know, I wanted to address some of the concerns that people bring to our reading of the Bible. And one of those is from skeptics who argue that the truth of God's word is not reliable because there are two different gods in the Bible. There's this harsh God in the Old Testament, and then there is this forgiving, kind, loving God in the New Testament. And we know that to be false. We know that there is one God in the Bible who loves us and reminds us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that he changes not, and that he has always made a way for us to come into his presence from the very first moment. His mercy, his grace, his loving kindness, it pursues us on a daily basis. And I have to tell you that I see that. I see that from beginning to end. One of the greatest criticisms against the Bible for these skeptics, I suppose, is that, you know, the, the God of the Old Testament ignores women, is incredibly um, I suppose, harsh toward women. And the God of the New Testament is loving and attentive to women. Y'all, that couldn't be further from the truth because when I read the Bible, I see a loving, attentive God from beginning to end. And that's one of the things that drew me to First and Second Samuel. The biographers in First and Second Samuel went out of their way to include the women in the text. And many of these women we have names for. We don't have names for all of them, but we do have names for a good portion of them, which also tells us that they were important. He starts off, Samuel does, with his mama. He starts off telling us about Hannah. And the Bible spins two full chapters on this woman of God because she is someone who we should pay attention to, but she is not the last. This time that is spent honoring the woman of God simply sets the tone for everything else that we will read in First and Second Samuel as Samuel continues to write and then it's picked up by Nathan and Gad, which Jewish tradition ascribes the rest of the books to have been written by since Samuel passes away in 1 Samuel. Y'all, 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 if you have not looked into the women in 1 and 2 Samuel, I need you to do so because my goodness, they were amazing. Whether we're talking about Hannah or Abigail, two that we're more familiar with or we are looking at the wise woman from Tekoa in 2 Samuel chapter 14, one of my favorite women in the entire Bible, or the wise woman from Abel Beth Makkah, we find that Joab 
continued to partner with women. Joab was the commander of David's army, and he went out of his way to partner with women because he saw the discernment, the wisdom, the strategy, and the power that he would have access to when he did that. But we don't stop there, though. There were women who helped to keep spies safe in 2 Samuel for King David, just like Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. There were women who remind us of the woman in Jesus's parable who appears before the unjust judge waiting to get her justice. And I have to tell you, Rispa just gives me chills. I understand that it is a hard story to read. She was Saul's concubine and she appears multiple times throughout second, first and second Samuel, but primarily in second Samuel 21. And this woman, this woman, my goodness, spent many sleepless nights waiting on her justice for her boys, and she received it. There were women who did truly have tragic things happen to them. But what I don't want us to miss is the fact that the Lord chose to include their stories. These are not prescriptive passages. We know all about that. We studied that um, two seasons ago when Priscilla came onto the show. And so we know that prescriptive helps us to understand what we should do and descriptive describes what was happening. It wasn't a prescriptive passage. It was a descriptive passage that the Holy Spirit chose to include to let us know that he was paying attention and that these things were worth slowing down to notice. They were worth slowing down, just like our Lord and Savior did when he slowed down long enough to heal the woman with the issue of blood and then hear her story, how he slowed down when he went out of his way to talk with the Samaritan woman. I'm sorry. I understand the critics, but I see one God from beginning to end. One God from Genesis to Revelation, one God in first and second Samuel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one God who pays attention to women. And I pray you see the same. I'm grateful you're here. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Ty and I are here with another woman you should know, Ty. Hello, hello. Who do you have to introduce us to today? Yes, today we are introducing Maura Romero. She is passionate about nurturing and helping grow those around her to be the healthiest versions of themselves. And I know Maura personally, and that, that sums her up. She is all about pouring into others. She just has love that overflows. And it's just been amazing to know her. So she serves Brave Global as their new outreach manager, and she helps Brave Global grow through new partnerships and endeavors. She really is no stranger to being brave. The fact that she works for this organization just encapsulates so much about Maura. It's amazing. So she lives in the South Bay with her husband, Freddie, who also is in ministry. And they live a holistic lifestyle. They love to hike. They love to share people's stories. They love to watch beautiful sunsets. 
And Mara is just, she she is a volunteer. Brave founded their chapter in Long Beach at Revive Church, and she started out as a volunteer. And so I've just watched her grow in the organization and grow as a person. She loves to serve others. She loves to make sure that others are in the relationship that they should be in with God. I love how Maura like treasures people's hearts. <laughs> she really takes the time to dig in and to find out like, okay, who are you as a person? And I feel like Brave speaks to that because she helps to pull out the bravery. She helps to pull out those things that we feel like are hard and maybe pull us from God sometimes. But how can we dig in and be brave in those? That is so beautiful to hear. You know, I am so grateful for what you have shared with us about Maura and the work that she is doing. When I looked up Brave Global, I just love the fact that they are intentionally reaching vulnerable girls. And so the fact that she is working with a program to reach those in foster care and probation, sexual abuse and divorce is so special. And then I just loved how, you know, they share that they connect the community to the local church. Such good work. Such good work. It's women like this that just keep us you know, moving forward and fueled and passionate about what we are called to do too. Mm, so yes. yes. And Maura is, if you ever need encouragement, she will encourage you <laughs> to be passionate and live for God and to make a global impact, not necessarily by standing on the biggest stage, but being that encourager, being that person who will step up like Hannah when God says, I'm in need of your service. Yeah, so beautiful. All right, y'all. Mara is a woman you should know. We will go on and link everything below. It is my hope that these segments we like to call Women You Should Know truly do inspire you to get connected to other women in your field. And... Today, I am incredibly excited to introduce you to Jennifer Lucy Tyler. Jennifer is an international speaker and Bible teacher who has served as a missionary in five countries. Her mission is to help women know God and experience transformation through Bible study. One of Jennifer's passions is storytelling through social media and writing. More recently, her storytelling skills were used for Hope International Incorporated, Three Roots International, and International Justice Mission to advocate and uplift the stories of the people these organizations serve. Jennifer is also an author and the creator of two journals, Be Your Own Relationship Goals, Volume 1, and The Changemaker Guide to Studying the Bible. Since 2006, her influence has spanned the globe, from speaking at conferences to groups of women and youth to ministering to sex trafficking victims and orphans in several countries and leading missions teams. Today, Jennifer spends her time helping women grow holistically through the online Soul Circles community and speaking. She works as a national presenter for Faith Life, 
the creators of Logos Bible Software. And I would like to invite you to help me welcome Jennifer Lucy Tyler to the best kept secret. All right, y'all, I am just so excited to welcome you to this conversation and to introduce you to our guest today. Y'all, I have no clue how I wandered onto our sis's email list. <laughs> we have a few friends in common, and I suppose one of them kind of shared information and I, I loved what she was doing, so I jumped on this email list. And my goodness, I am so thankful for her ministry. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done in her, in her work and through her voice. Y'all already know, if you have been here any amount of time, you know December was uh, very hard for me. I was walking through a lot of grief in December. And so in December, I started getting these emails from a Jennifer Lucy Tyler, whose email list I subscribed to in some kind of way at one point in time or another. And they were inviting me to these video sessions on the Advent. I decided to go to one. I was in a pretty bad space and like, I need to be in the word today. And my goodness, y'all, what our sister is doing through the ministry God has birthed through her is just beautiful. I needed those conversations. They supported me throughout December. And Jennifer Lucy Tyler, I will love you forever for your yes and for just stepping out to do what God told you to do because I needed that space. How are you today? It's so good to have you here. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's so encouraging because a lot of times when you set out to just do what you believe God has told you to do, you never know how it's impacted others. And that Advent season, every Advent season with Soul Circles, our, our, my ministry is just so sweet because it's like the end of the year and just taking time to focus on the coming of Christ. And so I'm glad that we met and connected through that. For sure, for sure. You know, I have listened to some of your interviews and just been really impacted by your testimony. And you have a powerful testimony of forgiveness. We know the one thing that we want to pursue is healing so that we can enjoy the fullness of life God invites us to lead. Can you tell us about your forgiveness journey and how you began to press past different areas of pain in your life and into a relationship with the Lord? Well, I'll say my forgiveness journey started first by receiving God's forgiveness for my own sin. You know, I came into Christ in a very, I mean, like all of us, you know, we were lost, a very dark place. Mm -hmm. uh, I committed a lot of things that I'm, it's a lot of sins that I'm not proud of, but yet I still was able to receive forgiveness from the Lord. And so in that, when I became a Christian, one of the things that I was struggling with was forgiving my father. I had grown up with him on drugs for the most of my life. For most of my life, I grew up in Washington D.C. during the '80s and the '90s, um, which was, you know, the crack era. And he fell prey to that, and it impacted not only him, but of course, like many who were impacted by that era, it impacted our family and impacted our relationships. And I was a daddy's girl. And, you know, it really 
I, I got to see the ripple effect play out in my life by having him present, but not present, right? Because of the drug usage. And I held a lot of resentment towards him, a lot of resentment that and unforgiveness towards men in general, based on everything that I saw that was wrong about him at that time. And then because I was new in Christ, the Holy Spirit just began to convict me and remind me, hey, I just forgave you for all of these things, wiped your slate clean. Like how much more do you need to walk in forgiveness with your father? And so I remember I wasn't living with my parents at the time, but I would come in the house and I would, before I would walk in the door, I would put myself like, okay, you're going to go in here. You're going to show the love of God. You're going to give give your father a hug. You're going to press past how you feel. You're going to do this by faith. And so I just started doing that every time I would see my father. And this heart of stone of unforgiveness just began to break away. And I started to have compassion. Um, I started to really see him the way that God sees him. And I began to see him um through see see the brokenness and it it made me feel for him you know like and I begin to learn and be open more to learning about addiction and the disease that it is and how people get entangled in it and I learned more about my father's story the PTSD that he suffered from Vietnam um different things that he had to endure as a child and um he went into Vietnam is 17, you know, so there was a lot of unhealed areas that drew him to that place. And so that's where forgiveness started for me. And I'm so grateful because it, even though my father still wrestled with drugs, I still forgave him and I was able to love him through that. And my father eventually received Christ. And even in him, receiving Christ, he still had struggles here and there because just because we receive Christ doesn't mean we never struggle with sin, right? Right. Um, Right. Still struggle. But when he passed away in September of 2017, I could stand here today and say, I have no regrets about our relationship because I walked in forgiveness and it just really, really gave us some beautiful, beautiful moments before he passed away. Amen. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. We actually have a few things in common. My dad also went to war and fought in Vietnam when he was 17 as well. So I just found that, my goodness, the things that they have reversed has been yeah. whew, uh, incredible. And so I think God for just how he worked through you. You know, one of the things that we talked about briefly during that Advent season, because during the particular study that we walked through, the author mentioned some of the infertility that she'd experienced, some of the hard things that she dealt with was Hannah. And so I want to ask you, what stands out to you about Hannah? As I just love hearing different people's perspective and what draws them to this incredible woman of God in our scriptures? Well, you know, my own personal uh, journey with infertility definitely just draws me to Hannah and her story. One of the things that stands out the most about Hannah is 
although the Lord kept her from conceiving and although she experienced taunting a year after year from Penina, Samuel's other wife, although she was deeply hurt, heartbroken, like these are all things that describe how she was feeling in first Samuel, she prayed. And what I find is that there, we can be deeply hurt. We can be heartbroken. We can feel taunted by the enemy and it's either going to push us to pray or in some cases it can pull us away from God. And so what I love about Hannah is that she pushed past her, her, her feelings at the time and laid those burdens at the feet of the Lord. Her prayer life is inspiring to me because there were times that even in my own infertility struggles, I didn't necessarily run and cast my burdens and cares. I may have handled things differently. Um, I, I may have been angry, you know, at God and, you know, that's okay. He can handle it. Right. He's God. Yes. But yes. what I appreciate is that Hannah pushed past all of that and prayed. And then when the Lord did decide to open her womb, you know, we then see this beautiful prayer where she is just extolling God for who he is, worshiping him for his holiness, for his sovereignty, for his goodness. And so she then, as she gets the answer to her prayer, she gives all glory back to God. It's not like, hey, okay, this is me, my baby. Okay. Like it's all glory. Like this belongs to you completely. Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. And I know you were in the midst of giving God all of the glory right now. And it has been a delight, a joy to see how you have been celebrating this season of your life, especially for someone who is still waiting to be a mother in whatever and however the Lord may choose to do that. But you want to tell our sisters what is going on for those who are just following you right now? <laughs> You know, if you see th this whole fatness, this puffiness, it's because <laughs> I'm 34 and a half weeks pregnant and the Lord has blessed us with the child after praying and and just pleading and asking the Lord for almost 12 years. This baby is due right before our 12 year anniversary. And this is our first, this is the furthest that we've gotten in a pregnancy after uh, a few losses. And this has just been, it's still surreal. Even as she moves and I feel her kicking, even now it's still just like, wow, God, like mm -hmm. it's just what you've chosen to, done, to do uh, for us. And at 41 years old, of course, doctors are saying all the other high risk, geriatric, you hear all of those things, mm -hmm. but even- midst of that, just experiencing God's goodness uh, through this child has just been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a testimony to those of us that are yet waiting. And I would tell you, my goodness, there have been so many different points where, I mean, as you already said, I was just angry with God. Just, I mean, there was one point, once again, this past December, where I would just break down crying and my husband would be like, what, what is wrong with you? What, what's going on? Yeah. It's not the middle of the day. And I would just be like, I am so mad at him. I am so mad at him. He was in that room. And, you know, he, 
can handle all of that. He can handle yeah. all of that. So yeah, he wants been, us to come to him with all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. He can handle all of those emotions, all of those things that we experience. He experienced, I mean, the ultimate pain, his son, you know, on the cross, bearing the sins of the world. Like he can identify with that anger, with those feelings. And so, hey, it, it, he gave him to us. We could bring him to him. Absolutely. Yes. You have shared with us, you know, some of the areas that you've pressed past adversity, how you've continued to pray. And you've pointed out, you know, Hannah kept pressing in that she had the opportunity to either push in or pull away. And she pushed in. I want to ask you, what other kinds of obstacles have you experienced in the body of Christ, um, specifically in the church as it relates to maybe offense in the church or maybe different things that people are dealing with in the church? Or what kinds of things have you, you know, had to support other people through as you remind them and remember to keep pushing in instead of pulling away? First thing that just came to mind as you asked that was undoing bad theology around Mm. suffering and around pain and around going through those things. Those were the, the, the biggest obstacles that I've had to face. Members of my family have had to overcome and even just other sisters in Christ that I've had to really help. With. And when I talk about bad theology around it, I'm talking about bad theology around suffering. I'm talking about the idea that if God doesn't do this, you don't have enough faith. Or there is something that maybe you're not speaking out of your mouth, something that you're not doing. It puts the ownership on us instead of God as being sovereign, right? And so even when my father died, my mom, we moved her in that same day (laughs) into our home so that we could all heal together and she wouldn't have to be alone. But one of the things that she was challenged with is that in my father's last moments, she was just like, you know, he asked me to pray and she's like, did I pray the right prayer? And maybe I didn't say the right thing. Did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray enough? And I just was like, mom you've had no control over this. (laughs) Like before the foundations of the world, God knows our beginning and end date, but it was the bad theology of thinking that if I had decreed or if I declared, or if I had said this or did that, then perhaps he would have still been here. And so to see her walk through that and then have to walk through scripture and really have to help you know, retrain my mother's mind and some healing had to take place to know that God is sovereign over all of it, the good and the adversity, the hard and the easy, right? And so that has been one of the greatest obstacles, even in the beginning of uh, our journey with infertility. We lost our first child in 2012. That was our first year of marriage. And I remember thinking, okay, what am I doing wrong? You know, and of course Mm -hmm. there's health things and there's things that we can do to, you know, uh, help ourselves. But I was just putting so much ownership on us and so much pressure on us as a couple 
that it became stressful for a while. And we needed to undo that type of thinking and really begin to just lean in and just trust the Lord if it be his will, you know. And once we begin to have that mindset, we begin to have more peace around our situation. Oh, I know that has really, really strengthened some of our sisters here. I just, I felt chills even as you were sharing because my goodness, I resonate with that in so many ways. And so I want to ask, what can we do? You know, I mean, some of our sisters have been through it and have had all the things, you know, told to them and have pulled away. They're still here. They're they're pressing into this podcast. They're pressing into other resources. So was there something that you would send them to or make a recommendation that you did in your own walk with the Lord that kind of helped you to navigate that poor theology and really get in touch with God's heart? Ah, oh, did you here. Did you hear? Selah, a study of first and second Samuel. The study that I have written is now available. <laughs> I am so excited to get this into your hands, but I want you to know that we're not only going to study the scriptures, but we're going to pray together as well. This study includes six video sessions and 30 guided prayers to help us settle into worship. When you visit Amazon, you can find it there, but you can also grab it at livedooly.com slash Selah. And when you go to that webpage, you will find a freebie as well. If you've ever been interested in learning about when King David composed the Psalms and what was going on in his life at the time, I have compiled a little resource for you to really learn more about that in comparison with 1st and 2nd Samuel. Together, it's my prayer that these resources help us enjoy scripture even more. Man, resources and things like that. I mean, it's it's so many things. I would say first, before I, I give any resource to be in a place where you are learning the Bible when you are. And when I say learning the Bible, being in a Bible teaching church, starting with church home community, healthy church home and community. I'm going to say healthy, mm -hmm. uh, healthy biblical church where um, you go to church and you are opening the Bible, you are learning and being walked through scripture. I think that that is one of the first things that would be really, really helpful. And as it pertains to grief and disappointment and all of those things, having healthy community, whether it starts in church or for me, it, it you know, it started in church, but then I felt like I needed more. And so I, that's why I started Soul Circles because I wanted a more community, you know, to really grow with and be able to get into the word of God with and do life with, you know, and, um, having those, those sisters and brothers and people that you can, can be honest with and naked with. That's so important because we can't do this on an Island. Um, as we are healing through various things, you need people. We need each other to be able to, uh, you know, be able to share with and all the ugliness and 
I have found that when I've tried to do this alone, I've sunk and I've hit very, very low, low places. I have experienced deep depression. I've experienced mm-hmm. side ideation, you know, all of those things. And I realized that in those moments, it was, I was beginning to isolate away from community, um, from godly accountability, all of those things. And then another helpful resources as it pertains to grief that I have appreciated lately, um, that a book that came out last year by my brother, John O, we go on, um, actually have it right here, (laughs) finding purpose in all of life's sorrows and joy. That book right there, I send it to everyone I know who who is battling some type of grief. Um, and, And there's some other books that may come to mind later that I could sing, but and resources. But that one right there, as I was grieving the last miscarriage before we got pregnant with a baby girl, that book really, really helped to carry me through and lean into my grief and disappointment, not run away from it. But when I say to lean into it, allow myself to feel it, experience it, and go through it and in a healthy way, surrounded by community where then I can begin healing. Oh, that was rich. I will definitely be adding that book to my library this for sure. But I, I appreciate how you spoke to, you know, the need for healthy Bible-believing church as well as community, because my goodness, the one thing that the enemy loves to do is isolate us, and that is that is really helpful. You have, I mean, just made a living. The Lord has called you to make a living from teaching the Word of God. I have to tell y'all, <laughs> this is one of the national presenters for Logos, the only female national presenter for logos holding it down holding it down i had to stop stop registering i'm like okay Liv, you got other stuff to do but i was like showing up to so many of our sisters because you are such a good teacher and the people some of whom we know priscelli's nicole just pull out so many beautiful things in the scriptures. And the one thing I love sitting under is a good Bible teacher. How did you fall in love with teaching the word of God? You know, as you ask that question is, I remember when I was first introduced to church through my mom and aunt taking me to church as a little girl, I was the one taking over children's church (laughs) trying to, you know, always raising their hand and just excited about the Bible stories. But never did I expect that I would be teaching the Bible. I mean, my life went totally in a lot of different routes. But how I fell in love with it, I guess, um, really just seeing the impact of scripture on my own life. And then I'm the type of person like, the woman at the well, it's like when Jesus does something for you, it's like, I want to tell everyone. And that is what teaching does for me. It's like, this is an opportunity to tell everyone, you know, who God is, 
tell everyone about his character to be able to help you to, to see through the scriptures just why we reverence, why we worship, why we extol this God. And so that is what has made me fall in love. It's just that seeing such a dramatic change, I've experienced a crazy change in my life. You know, if we had time to really go through my testimony, it's like there are people who see me on the street and they like, man, God is good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my past. Me too, girl. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so to know like that it is only Yahweh, only one, the one and only true God who has done that, like it has established in me just a yearning and a desire to want to see that transformation happen in others through the word of God. And so that's why I teach because it's sitting under good teaching and really understanding who God is that has changed my life and continues to change my life every day. You know, um, being under good teaching, being in the scriptures myself, I, I mean, it, it it continues to sanctify, continues to grow me. Yeah, yeah, every day. Our Bible is living. It is active. And my goodness, it is so good to hear the revelation that he gives his children. Uh, my goodness, we're so much better together. What scriptures have you stood on in your faith journey? Where are your, some of your go-to scriptures? Ah, uh, that was hard because there's so many, but one of the things that I will, well, there, there are a couple that stood out. So really the whole book of Philippians, but <laughs> the whole book, yes. the whole book, but I'll focus on Philippians four, six through nine, because one of the things with Philippians four, six through nine, I have wrestled with anxiety, a whole, just a lot, worry, anxiety about the future. And that verse that Paul is able to speak and to, and to write to the Philippian church while he's in prison, just knowing that is like, how much more should I be able to worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present my request to God. And then that is connected directly to our peace, the peace yeah. of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then that peace is connected to what we're allowing ourselves to think, which in verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just pure, lovely, commendable, you know, praiseworthy, let's dwell on these things. And so I just think that that chunk of scripture has meant so much to me. And then as it pertains to my journey in infertility, I believe it's Mark 5, 34, the, uh, the, the verse where the woman with the issue of blood that has always encouraged me just because of my own issues and seeing her press through her issues to go to Jesus always, yes. just like in a sense, like Hannah pressing through her issues yeah. to, you know, and seeing women press through what they're experiencing and her press resulted in him saying, daughter, 
your faith has saved you, or in some locations, some translations, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction or your sickness. Like Mm -hmm. that has reminded me that in my afflictions and my sickness and the things that maybe I was experiencing in my body that I didn't know about that I need to press through in faith to, to, to reach out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then there's this last one. And I can't remember the actual verse. I know it's in Isaiah, but it's do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. And so that's what I'm carrying with me into labor. Because, you know, getting to this point is beautiful, but now it's like, oh, so I got to push this baby out. Like that's, that is, there's some, there's some concern, some fear there that tries to creep up, but that's a scripture that I'll be holding on to and meditating on. Mm, beautiful. My goodness. I, I love that you brought up all of those. Those have all been encouraging to me as well, but that you specifically named the woman with the issue of blood. You know, today there's a lot of talk about the patriarchal society and culture in which the Bible, and how, you know, folly is known as a woman and women are put down. Um, I'm sorry, wisdom is known as a woman as well. And when we encounter women in the scriptures, these women were bad. <laughs> My goodness, the things that they conquered, things that they pressed through, the way that the biographers shine light on them. I'm like, how? How could you walk away and look at the women in scripture? Um, you know, as if they were second best. I, I understand the culture in which it was written, but my goodness, our Lord, whether it was the Old Testament or the New Testament, made sure that we pay attention to women, that we see their strength and that we honor them where they are. So I just appreciate that you brought her out. <laughs> um, I want to ask you as we prepare to close, if you have any words of wisdom, our sisters who are just, you know, having some trouble pressing into worship themselves that need some encouragement. What have you found in your life? What have you discovered? What words would you share with them? Man, first, you know, let's talk about worship. So worship is our reverential response to God to the all-encompassing magnificence of God and know that that is done in many ways. It's not just us lifting our hands in church, offering praises, but it's extolling his name through our work. What you're doing here, I believe that this is an act and form of worship. Mm -hmm. Um, It's through our lifestyle. It's how we treat others. And it's all in how we reverence God through it. And I would say to my sisters, if you are currently feeling far from God right now, chances are you have allowed life to, you know, because life be lifing, you know, that's what we say. Right. Are right. you've allowed those life's challenges to overtake you to the point where you've lost your reverence for him. And this is why it's all the more important to not allow our worship or reverence of God to be dictated by our emotions. 
the enemy seeks to rob us all of our worship. And it is our responsibility through the power of God that is in each believer that is listening to this to fight through it. And we have that power because we have the Holy Spirit. And so there are moments where we have to repent and just say, hey, God, like, I'm sorry, I repent because I have not reverenced you lately. I have not been worshiping you. And my husband and I had a situation recently when we were praying together and we repented for that because we found that like we were so focused on so many other things that we haven't been pausing and really giving reverence to the Lord. And so I'm saying this as Bible teacher (laughs) speaker Mm -hmm. on here, like it happens to all of us. And so we can always just come on right back. You know, this worship is, is for us. You know, when we are in a place of reverencing the Lord in everything that we do, it, it helps to bring the peace. It, it brings the joy. It brings the things that we need as we have to walk through this fallen world that's going to bring us so many challenges. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. My goodness. I already know y'all have already clicked below in the bio to get connected to sis. I already know. But Jennifer, Lucy, Tyler, would you please tell us where everybody can connect with you and just find out more? You can connect with me first, jenniferlucytyler.com. And then if you go to Jennifer Lucy Tyler on Instagram. I'm the same person. I'm Jen Lucy Tyler on the new threads. Because we recorded this. And the new and Twitter, if you're still there, if I haven't deleted my account by then, you can find more (laughs) Jen Lucy Tyler. And you can learn about soul circles that connect with us. We're currently on sabbatical but we'll be coming back in the late fall and especially around Advent after the baby is born and getting into a new groove. And I I just look forward to seeing what God does. So yeah, if you just want a, a community of women to study with, check on me, see what we're doing at the late, in the late fall, but we'll still be here. For sure, for sure. And I will be there as well. I just be hanging out. I'm just one of the members, but I'll be like, what are we doing? Love it. I love it. Um, so we look forward to connecting with y'all for sure. Come through, sis. Come through. Um, can I ask you a couple of secrets before we head out? Let's do it. All right, all right. The first one is in this fast-paced culture. Oh, what kinds of affirmations are you filling your space with or rhythms are you incorporating into your schedule to help you remember to slow down? Mm. For me, it's it's not necessarily the affirmations, but it's the rhythms that I've incorporated. And it's taking walks um, and not just because I'm pregnant, because, you know, the walks are helping me, but being in nature and making sure that I'm getting outside every day. That is my way of slowing down, looking at trees, like just being in God's beautiful creation in some way, if it's just a walk around the block, um, that right there helps me to slow down and to think. Uh, And I may not take 
anything to listen to. I probably won't take my Bible. I just want to be out and about with my thoughts and in silence. And it's a way of quieting my brain from the noise. And so taking time to do that at least once a day is so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. The next question that I want to ask is, what do you do on a day off? You're one of the busiest people out here in these streets. What do you do on a day off? I don't even know. That's sad. Um, no. Um, I will say I, I, I sleep. You know, I, there's times where I will just Listen, this times I will sit and binge. I love documentaries. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a documentary geek. And so I will sit, if I have time, I will sit and find a good documentary. And lately I've been on these crazy cult documentaries. <laughs> so yes. yes. Like, what is it? The happy people with the, the, uh, the shiny people. <laughs> Yeah, I just finished that. And then there was another one that I was watching with, um, gosh, I have, I have pregnancy brain right now. So I'm forgetting, but all of the documentaries, the crazy cult ones where I'm like, how in the heck did our people like, how did they get there? And so that's my thing. Like I love popping a good bowl of popcorn. I put some old bay seasoning on it. Cause you know, I live in Maryland and that's what we do. I have never <laughs> heard of that in my life. You know, <laughs> old bay is what you season your crabs with. I uh, know that, but I've never heard of anybody putting it on popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I bet you people that watch this, they're going to be like, yep, I, I know. I know. So I put, sprinkle some old bay seasoning, have my popcorn. And I watch documentaries like that is a perfect day off where I'm in the bed, chilling, just resting. (laughs) I love that. I've not heard that response before, but I do love that. I love a good documentary too. Um, And the last one is what is bringing a smile to your face these days? This baby. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Feeling this joy. Uh, just kick. Her name is Justice Joy Tyler, and oh, so precious. Feeling just joy in in my womb right now um, makes me smile every day as she elbows and throw throw. She's throwing the bows right now, and I love it. I love it because I never thought I would feel it. Um, so um, that brings me joy, like putting folding baby clothes and all of that, and you know it, it's it's scary because I don't know the type of mom that I'll be. I don't know who she is. You know, I don't know the type of child she is, but I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm excited about it. So by the time this airs, people could ask me, how's motherhood? Because I'll be a mother by then, Lord (laughs) willing. But, you know, I just don't, you know, I, that, that's, what's bringing me joy. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, my goodness, so beautiful. Your time has been a gift today. Thank you so very much for the wisdom that you've shared and just how you have encouraged our hearts. Would you pray us out? Sure. Thank you for having me. This has been so beautiful being with you. Oh, Father, we just thank you. 
We thank you for every woman under the sound of my voice that will hear and that will listen to this podcast. Lord, I just ask that your spirit would meet them where they are. You know what it is out of this podcast that each individual woman needs. And so we trust you to do what only you can do to to sharpen, to heal, to uh, shift, to change, to save. And so, Father, we thank you in advance for the work that you are doing through Live and that you will do in the lives of women that uh, hear these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Mm, That conversation was good for my soul. I pray that you can say the same. If there's anything that resonated with your heart, which please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a rating and review, it will truly bless this podcast more than you know. Now, in the meantime, I am on Instagram at Candid Live, and it would be an honor to connect with you there. Talk to you soon. Love you.